All right, good afternoon. We are on part two of Nitilas Yadayim. So we discussed washing of the hands last week. Everything is now posted on the podcast. You can get them all at your own convenience and listen to them as you like. We discussed last week the bracha, the aspect of when to make the bracha and when you can and cannot talk from the time that you wash. We spoke about not making, not talking until you actually make the bracha. The bracha should be made before you dry your hands. And then, of course, the time in between after you complete the bracha until you actually make the bracha on bread on your challah, that also being careful not to speak, but there it is less of a problem. That was all last week's discussion. Let's talk about the mechanics of actually the laws, the halachas of Nitilas Yadayim. There is a lot, believe it or not, a lot to talk about from regarding from what type of vessel can you use to wash, how much water do you need, how much of your hand do you have to wash, are you allowed to have any what we call a chatzitza, any separation, bandages, band-aids, rings on your hands, what if I don't have any water, many, many different halachas to discuss, I think we should be able to get it into one session today, if not, we'll do it again uh, and complete it next week. One word, uh, as, as we discuss this particular topic of the Tilas Yadayim, it actually manifests itself, all of the halachas, in two circumstances. One is the normal everyday, I'm home, I have running water, plenty of water, I have a beautiful fancy washing cup, silver or decorated, everything is good and easy. So then it's just a matter of knowing exactly the right way to do it. Then we have an entire separate aspect of, well, what happens when I'm camping and I'm outside and I don't really have access to the things that I need? Or there's a shortage, I don't have water available, I don't have a cup available, I'm traveling, I'm in a car, I'm in a plane. There, so there's these two aspects of the halacha of things are great, are normal, everyday occurrences, I'm in my house. And uh, how should it be done ideally? And then when it's less than ideal, what are the minimum amounts? How exactly do I make this work when the circumstances do not allow for an easy ability to wash? We'll try to combine them all together. Let's tackle it and uh, address what we can. Number one, the Gemara says in Meseches Chulin that when Chazal required this mitzvah of Netil, remember we discussed last week, that when a Kohen would eat truma, when a Jew would harvest, take in his harvest and give, separate a piece and give it to the Kohen for truma, which was often <clears throat> grain produ- products, the Kohen would have to wash his hands before eating of the truma. The sages created a level of tuma, a ritual impurity specifically on the hands, and the Kohen would need to wash his hands in order to purify them from that tuma to be able to eat truma. They then extended that to everyday Jews like you and me, maybe we have some Kohanim on the call, but to everyday Jews eating everyday bread, even though it wasn't Truma, and I'm not even a Kohen, everybody has to act like a Kohen and wash their hands um, before partaking of bread. They established that it must be done from a Kli, from a vessel. You can't just wash hands in any particular way, but that it specifically has to come from some type of a vessel. The Rashbah, one of the early Rishonim, when he describes this or discusses this, this either it was paralleled off of the regular laws of Toma and Tahar, of purity and impurity, which often needed a particular vessel, or the Kior, there was a, uh, in the Beit HaMikdash itself, when the Kohanim would come and they would wash their hands and feet before um, Entering into the base of Mikdash, they would have to wash from, from this laver, which was this huge uh, vessel. So they required a kli similarly in order to be able to do so. He points out little trivia, very important trivia. Where does the word al-nitilat yadayim, what does nitilat mean? 
So the Rashba says it actually comes from the Aramaic word of natla, which is a vessel, um, because of they, they added that into the blessing of washing one's hands with a, a vessel. Oh, it's a strange a blessing, a bracha, where did that actually uh, come from in that perspective? Um, now, how big does the kli have to be? So again, at our kitchen sinks, we have very fancy al-nitilat uh, They're big, they're not, no problems. But what's the minimum amount? How, how large does it actually have to be? So two important halachas. Number one, it has to be large enough to hold a revius of liquid. A revius is, uh, there are many different opinions. Let's, for our purposes, assume about 3.3 ounces. So 3.3 ounces, ounces, it's not nothing, but it's not, it's, it's not, uh, it's not huge. Uh, if you think about your average kiddish cup, is a little bit more than 3.3 average. So you know there are many different size kiddish cups as well, but your average kiddish cup is about 3.3 ounce. Your shot glass is about one ounce. Three of those, that's your minimum shear that you have to have of the size of the cup, something less than that. Let's say you only had a shot, a shot glass. That doesn't work. You, you can fill it up a hundred times. It doesn't count as a vessel to be able to uh, wash your hands. Um... It also has to have been made specifically to hold water. Like let's say you were out on a camping trip and you take your hat off and you scoop up some water from something and you use that. That doesn't count as a clee either. That's not a vessel that you could use for, uh, for washing. The big question which comes up all the time is can you use a plastic or a paper cup for an Atilas Yadayim? Now that comes down to the issue of whether or not it counts. It it's qualifies as a clee, as a vessel. Something which is going to be thrown away. Something which is a one-time use. Something which has no permit does that have a status of a vessel? This aspect of halacha comes up in a number of different contexts in halacha. Like, for example, almost more importantly, is can you use it for kiddush? Can you make kiddush using a plastic cup? This happens all the time on big meals. You're at uh, a shul or at an event. Again, at somebody's house, none of these things, everyone has beautiful silver kiddush cups. But you sometimes end up, in, and you're all familiar with many different circumstances, and you're sitting at a big table in camp, and you have a plastic cup. Can you use that for kiddush? Does that count? That's where this discussion comes up. Um, many postgames, certainly enough that we can rely on, would allow plastic or paper to be used for a kiddush cup. Styrofoam, styrofoam is a different discussion. That kind of cup that if you just push too hard, the entire cup gets crushed and, and is nothing, is a different discussion, which we really try not to use the styrofoam. Even though in one way it's sturdier, but in another way it's like nothing. You could just literally destroy the whole cup um, with a quick squeeze of your hand, is, is a different discussion. But plastic or paper, which will at least hold their shape better and longer, uh, you can use. Some postgame I saw even say you should have in mind that I'm going to use it a couple of times. I'm not just going to use it once and throw it away, but I'm going to use it and then I'll use it a second time or a third time to give it some sort of a status. So if you do need to use a paper or plastic cup for an Atilasya dime, you are allowed to do so. This is why this whole idea of requiring a vessel, a clee, is why you can't just turn on the sink, the faucet, and then wash your hands under the faucet. Many people have that question, like, why can't I just turn on the sink and put my hands underneath? Doesn't that work? I'm washing my hands. You're washing your hands, but you're not washing them from a vessel because it's coming in from wherever it's coming through the piping system through the city, goes through your house, and then it comes out. There is discussion, if you need to rely on this every once in a while, but just an interesting discussion. I'm just covering some of the bases. In, in Israel and other places, sometimes the water is actually stored in a tank um, in the house 
or on the roof of the house. There, there's discussion if you could use that for Natila, if you just turned on the faucet, and we know where the source of water is coming from. Here's the water tank, it just comes straight down into my house. There's some discussion, there's something to rely on if you need that. But most uh, city houses where we don't have a reservoir, we have hot water, but the cold water that you use is not coming from a water tank. Um, we generally do not use faucets for Natila Sidaim. If you had nothing else, if you didn't have any type of clean, no type of cup, not paper, not plastic, nothing, better to use that than nothing, but we generally do not use a faucet. You need to have a vessel. It needs to be a vessel of permanence. We can let you get away with paper or plastic, but otherwise it should be a vessel that holds at least 3.3 ounces. Now, how much water do you need to actually use? The size of the vessel we know has to be 3.3. How much water do you need to actually now pour on your hand? So, um, actually, Actually, let me, let me take two steps back. What type of water can you use? Let's go back a step. The type of water that... So you could generally use any type of water. There are just two restrictions which come up on the type of water that you can use. Number one, you cannot use water that has already been used for another purpose. Um, you might say, eh, that's gross. Who would want to do that? Okay, that's true. But you can't use, let's say you had read it, had used water for washing the dishes. Uh, now you had it sitting around. So you couldn't use it once it's been used for that purpose or if it's been used by someone else to already wash on the tilas yadayim on it. You say, when does that happen? That actually happens, unfortunately, all the time at events. If you remember, sometimes you're at a big fancy wedding or bar mitzvah or at a camp scene and the waiters bring out this big bowl of water and then they put out an empty bowl next to it and then they put up paper towels. And then and it's like, it's usually at events where not everybody's going to be washing for bread. Not, not everybody wants to have bread, whatever it may be. So you go over, you take some water in the cup that they provide and you wash into the empty bowl and then you go sit down and then someone else does it and then 10 minutes later someone else comes but there's nobody there to tell them which bowl is which and so and they just see a couple of bowls and all of a sudden you end up you know first it empties from one into the other and then it empties from the other one back into the first and I, that doesn't work one has to be careful if you're in such a situation that you're pouring the best thing to do is to pour out of a pitcher of water into your cup and then not to, but those are situations that sometimes come up but you cannot use water that's already been uh, used once for an atelic dive number two you can't use water if it's not fit to be drunk by an animal meaning it does not need to be clean enough to be to have a, a person drink it but if it's so dirty if it's so salty if it's so already yuck that even an animal wouldn't drink it, then you can't. Very rare that we would have such a situation, but I mention that nonetheless. Let's go through the process one step at a time. So what's the process of now actually washing one's hand? So ideally the process is one should fill the water with one's right hand. What The right hand is always considered the stronger hand in, uh, in halacha. So you would hold the cup in your right hand as you fill it from the sink. And then after the cup is filled in the right hand, we take, because this is, we're fulfilling this rabbinic mitzvah of washing our hands, it should be done in the right hand. Then you take the full cup into your left hand to wash your right hand first, because you want to wash the right hand first in the same way. So the right hand should be the, the hand that fills the cup, put it into the left hand, and then the left hand pours onto the right. This is, of course, all in the ideal. If you did it in a different manner, it for sure works. But in the ideal way, that's how we do it. We start with our right hand. And now we get to, so how much of the hand has to be washed as we go through this process? How much of the hand actually has to get wet? There are two major opinions on this issue. 
And as things work out, as they often do, we accept a more lenient opinion, uh, uh, if it happened that way, but ideally we go with the more stringent opinion. The more lenient opinion says you only need to wash from the knuckles down to the tips of the fingers. That's all you need to do. From the knuckles to the fingers is what's required to be washed. That is, after all, the part of your hand that you use to eat. You generally do not eat with this part of your hand from your wrist down to your knuckles. That doesn't touch food at all. And therefore, the more lenient opinion only requires the entire fingers, all five of the fingers, including the thumb, you have to be careful when you wash, you get all of them from the knuckle down, must be completely wet as you, uh, as you wash. The more stringent opinion, which the Shulchan Aruch says one should be careful to try to fulfill, certainly when one is home and one has an abundance of water, one should do so, is actually from the wrist all the way, including the entire hand. So from the wrist, all the way down to the edge of the fingers. Again, the most important part is the part that touches food. And we often eat in a way that we don't touch food at all, but bread, we certainly do. Most of the time, we do not eat challah with a fork and knife. We eat challah with our hands. So it is very important that from the knuckles down, for sure gets washed. And ideally, all the way from the wrist must be, uh, must be washed. That is what is proper. How much water do you need? Now here you have, again, two aspects of the ideal, and uh, or not just ideal, but there are two different ways of doing this. The halacha is, all that you need, there's no amount. There's no minimum amount. What you need is to get the hand wet. So whatever it takes to get in the, in the minimum amount is just from the knuckles down. However much water, if you can get your entire five digits of your hand completely wet, with less than a revius of water, with less than 3.3 ounces, that's fine. As long as you can. And there are ways to hold your hand to try to maximize the least amount of water that you need. That's the minimum amount from the knuckle down that you get all of that wet. You don't have to have, there's no minimum amount. You just have to get it all wet. Obviously, if you're going to try to do it ideally and get from the wrist down, you're going to need a little bit more water in order to do so. Here is the fascinating halacha, which is very clear in halacha, and then we've adapted a practice which has confused this issue entirely. The halacha is like this. There are two ways we deal with whether or not you used more or less than a revius of water, less than the 3.3 or more than the 3.3. If you're using less than a revius, less than 3.3 ounces, then the halacha is the water that you use, because again, our hands have been decreed by the sages to be ritually impure, and they need to be purified before we eat bread. The sages said, if you're using less than a revius of water, as the water washes over your hand, it itself, the water, becomes ritually impure from your hands and then has to be washed away by a second washing. That's the process of, since you use less than a revius, less than 3.3 ounces of water, the water then becomes ritually impure, and then that water needs to be washed off of your hands because it is ritually impure. That idea is what gave rise to the concept that you probably all know. How many times do you wash when you wash for bread? Twice on the right and then twice on the left. Everybody knows that, the two washings. Why are there two washings? Because the first one creates the water becomes ritually impure as it takes and cleanses the hand. And then the second washing washes it off of your hands. This is true. 
And it's only true if you use less than a revius of water on the first washing. If you use less than 3.3 ounces on the first washing, then that halacha kicks in that the water itself became impure and needs to be washed off with the second washing. If you use a healthy amount of water, more than uh, 3.3 ounces, the sages decreed that, that that water that you use itself never becomes ritually impure. The amount of water is such that it just clean, cleanses the hands and takes it all, and it itself does not become tame. So that if you're using more than 3.3 ounces, there is no need for a second washing afterwards. That's only because you, you poured a healthy amount and everything is done in one shot. What have the Jewish people developed? That practice, which all of you are familiar with, which is what do we do? We wash twice, which is a nod to who's paying attention to whether or not I had 3.3 ounces or 3 ounces or 4 ounces. People are paying attention. If you're not paying attention, then you need to wash twice because you can't go eat your bread if you only washed once and then you dry off your hands and then you go eat. You didn't, it didn't work because you just remade your hands tummy from the first washing and you never washed it off a second time. So the Jewish people have adopted the practice that we wash twice, no matter what. But it should be known that you really do not need to if you are using a healthy amount of water. And you'll see there are people who will do that when, suddenly when they're home and they don't have to worry about the amount of water. They'll fill up the washing cup and they'll just give one long pour per hand. And that's totally fine. You don't need to do it twice because they, they poured a healthy amount, more than the three ounces on each hand, and one would be sufficient. What we really want to avoid is, and this, again, people without paying attention, they just sort of like, they throw a little bit of water on one hand and they do it twice. But they didn't get their whole hand wet. You have to remember, there are two things here. The more, it's more important than using a big, robust amount of water is that you actually got your entire hand wet. Let's say you missed one of the fingers, you could pour it from a whole washing cup. doesn't matter how much water you use, you didn't actually get the entire hand wet. That's the most important thing is to get the hand wet. If the amount of water that it took to get the whole hand wet is more than 3.3 ounces, one washing is sufficient. You want to do a second time, there's no problem doing it twice. But it's only required to do it once if you use more than 3.3 ounces. But the main thing is that you get the entire hand wet. That's what's really important is that we wash the entire hand. Again, I, minimally from the knuckles down. And ideally, we try to do again from the wrist down. So uh, that is all of that. I hope that has been clear. One last thing, at least for today, is the concept of a chatzitza. You cannot have a separation between your actual hand and the water that is washing. No foreign object. What defines a chatzitza? Chatzitza is defined as a foreign object that either the majority of people or the person himself would be interested in taking it off for certain activities. Meaning, I don't want this thing on my hand when I'm doing certain activities. The classic examples that we have to deal with are a wedding ring, uh, or a band-aid, or a bandage, or a cast. There are all sorts of things that we end up on our hands. And then the question is, do I need to take that off um, do I need to take that off when I wash Nitilis Yadayim? So the first question that we always ask is, are there things, activities out there that most people would take this off for? So in the world of wedding rings, the most common answer to that is yes, when people need dough or are involved in other uh, fine, act- or not, not fine, but more gr- 
I don't know, gross, not in the terms of disgusting, but like activities that would either ruin um, or get dirty or grimy. So people, yeah, they take off the rings. Now, it doesn't have to be everybody. It just has to be a majority of people in this activity. So an individual can say, I never take off my ring when I need dough. Okay, that's fine. But many people do. And therefore, that becomes a chatzit, or if people take off the rings for other activities. The fact that there's an activity out there that a person would take off the ring for makes the ring into a chatzitza, and that's why it should be removed before uh, needing dough. A bandage would then come into the same equation, which we would say, this type of band-aid bandage that you have, would you take that off if you were about to do something? Let's say a person had a band-aid on their thumb, and they were about to give a speech at uh, Sheva Brachos or whatever. Would, would you take it off before taking the stage? Is that something that you would say, like, I, don't, I wouldn't want this on my hand if I'm, if I'm up there? So if the answer is you would take it off, then that becomes a chatzitza. So like a cast, for example, is not a chatzitza, because the cast's not coming off. It's on for however long you need it on, and therefore we leave it on. It's not a problem. We do wash whatever parts of the hand we can. If a person has a cast uh, on a finger, on a thumb, and the other fingers are still accessible and you could eat with them, you would wash those. Um, and you don't have to worry about the part that's covered because you can't uncover it no matter what you do. So it's never coming into contact. But something which you can take off and would or potentially could take off, that's where we would want to take that off, lest you come and take it off in the middle of the meal. That's what the sages were concerned with. Um, so, um, again, all of these things lead to the kind of questions I see some questions are coming in. Band-aids are very complicated because they easily come off, but most people don't care. Like if I, if, you know, I, I know most people, if they were getting up this, you know, at a Sheva Brachos to give it to our I, I don't think they would take their band-aid off. They would leave it on. Like, what do they care? So it's like sort of in, in, in no man's land, but at the end of the day, but a band-aid only stays on for a day or two, and then you're going to take it off anyway. So those situations where if it's easy to take off and put on another one and you regularly do so, the ideal thing would be to uh, to take it off. Um, if it's going to stay on for a while and you're going to leave it on and you're not going to take it off no matter what, you have a serious cut, then that's also fine. And if you can't eat, well, you can't get it wet, then we just get wet the other parts of the hand or fingers that you could potentially eat with and you work around uh, whatever area can't, uh, can't be uh, gotten wet. Okay, there are more things. We'll, we'll, have to, we'll finish this up, the situations of what to do when there's no water. Like, what, what happens when I'm, like, really stuck? What are my options in those situations? There are a couple more halachas we'll talk about uh, when it comes to washing hands. We'll get to that. I've used up my 20 minutes. I do like to try to keep this short so that everybody knows that they come. It's going to be a short session, and we'll learn, uh, learn something. So I don't want to go over too much. We'll finish up. Um, a couple of other uh, questions, and we'll get to some of the questions that came in uh, regarding uh, wing, rings, uh, people washing three times. Um, uh, I, I don't know why they wash three times. The, the three times is from like when you wake up in the morning kind of washing, but the washing for bread um, really only would require two and uh, really doesn't even require two if you're using a healthy amount of, uh, a healthy amount of water. It could be that people are getting confused between the two different types of uh, two different types of washing. Um, okay, we will, uh, we will finish this up, God willing, uh, next week. Questions or comments, I'm happy to uh, stick on and uh, try to answer whatever we can.